My name is Vasudha, and welcome back to Chai Your Auntie Should Be Spilling. I am part of INDU, an organization that helps combat domestic violence in South Asian communities across the U.S. Before we get started, I'd love to give a quick trigger warning as we will be talking about domestic abuse and sexual violence in this podcast, which could be triggering for some. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. Before we get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Um, so hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. My name is Dasnia Ahmed, and I'm the Domestic Violence Program Director at Turning Point for Women and Families. Um, Turning Point for Women and Families was founded in 2004, just a few short years after 9-11. And our mission is to help Muslim women and girls affected by domestic violence to empower themselves and transform their lives as well as the lives of their family members. Um, since 2004, we've been providing a wide array of services uh, to support survivors of domestic violence. That includes individual counseling, support groups, um, advocacy, referrals to needed resources, crisis intervention, um, and so much more. Um, and so a little bit about what I do specifically, I, I oversee our domestic violence program. So I oversee uh, the direct services that we provide to survivors um, and, and manage the, um, the different direct support staff that we have um, at Turning Point. That's amazing. And that's some really important work. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, why is culture specific aid required when tackling violence against women in the South Asian diaspora? That's a great question. Um, so culturally specific aid is, is so vital um, because something that we hear from the survivors that we work with um, often is that when they seek support from mainstream providers, they're met with um, a gap in understanding of the background, of the unique challenges they're facing. Um, they meet language barriers, so it's hard for them to communicate at times. Um, third-party interpretation services aren't always um, super effective or accurate in their, in their interpretations. And so it creates all these walls um, for survivors to seek support. Um, and so Turning Point is grounded in providing that culturally specific aid so that we can provide counseling and support group to survivors in the languages they speak. We speak Bangla, Urdu, Hindi, Punjabi, um, Turkish, um, and we've had um, Arabic-speaking volunteers join us. Um, we have our Arabic-speaking volunteers now even. And so we, we do our best to provide these services in the languages our clients speak so that they can communicate freely. Um, and we come from a standpoint where we understand the family dynamics. We understand that you know, oftentimes um, what we see in South Asian families is that the, the extended family is heavily involved, right? Um, that in-laws are heavily involved. How does that contribute to an abusive relationship? Um, how does that, how do those dynamics provide support? Um, and so coming in with those, with that very specific cultural knowledge um, can be very helpful and um, just make all the difference for a survivor. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, and I understand um, how knowing the culture is very important to help um, these women and people. And we often see that subjugation of women or treatment of sexual minorities is justified by religion. Can you speak a bit on how religion and culture is used to justify violence in this house in households? Sure. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, what we see um, 
often is that religion, um, religious text is misinterpreted or, um, you know, skewed to um, give advantage to a certain group of people. And I think what it comes down to is asking our communities, you know, this very important question of, well, who is translating the text? Who's interpreting it? Who's teaching the community how to implement um, these practices and these sacred texts, right? And, and what is the objective of those who are, who, are, who have that power, right? Um, and so one, one example I can speak on from the Muslim community is that there is this widely contested um, verse in um, uh, verse 434 in Surah Nisa that talks about um, uh, striking women, something in what is most widely perpetuated um, for this translation of this verse is that it is saying that, you know, Islam uh, condones striking women, condones physical abuse. But when we look more closely um, and, and take a more in-depth look at the translations, there are many other ways to interpret this. In fact, um, a scholar who, um, who we just lost actually, um, Lale Bakhtiar, she translated the Quran um, and this verse in particular to look at all of the different ways to interpret the Arabic here. Um, and, and what she found and what many scholars today look at is that the verse is talking about going away instead of to strike that um, the, the correct interpretation is to walk away or to go away from the situation. Um, and so why is that not what's popular knowledge? Who has, um, you know, who has taken this interpretation of striking women mm -hmm. and made that popular knowledge. I want to add is that, you know, when it comes to um, using religion to justify abuse, you know, oftentimes we'll see this, this blend of religion and culture um, where it becomes really hard for, you know, children who are growing up in certain cultures to differentiate between what is spiritual practice and what is cultural practice. Um, and so many, you know, cultural norms will be um, pushed as, as spiritual religious practices. And therefore, if you don't engage in those practices, it is sinful, right? And so I think this is one of the biggest ways that um, religion can be manipulated to um, justify abuse. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I think something that we definitely need to take time to think critically about. Um, and my next question for you is, we do often see that domestic violence shelters for South Asians are only really used by first generation immigrants. Why do you think that is so? And how can service providers better serve younger second generation South Asians as well? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, well, while I can't confirm that as, as you know, 100% fact that shelters are, are um, largely used by first-generation immigrants, but I can't speak on the experience of um, first-generation immigrants who are facing domestic violence. Um, and what we see is that usually what happens is they have a limited support network here. You know, oftentimes their, their parents, their family members, their friends um, are back in their countries of origin um, and they have few trusted friends here, if any at all. Right. One of the one of the, the common patterns we see um, in, in the experiences of survivors is that because of the abuse that they were facing, they weren't permitted to meet new people, to get to know their surroundings, to build connections. 
they don't have trusted individuals to turn to for shelter. And so they um, lean on government shelters, domestic violence shelters, um, city agencies for that support. Um, and in contrast um, with second generation immigrants, with those who have grown up here, they're more likely to have more of a, a solid network here, mm -hmm. right? So they're more likely to have friends, classmates, um, family members, extended family within their reach. And so that might be um, where they turn to first when they need to leave an abusive situation. Um, maybe they stay with a friend, they stay with a family member um, to get back on their feet. That's not to say that that's the case for everyone. And I think it's important to remember that every survivor situation is unique and different. Um, but, you know, that could be one explanation, I think. Yeah, totally. And our next question for you is, we see that the South Asian community is portrayed as a monolith a lot of times. And, and we often see that an India-centric or Hindu-centric bias um, emerges serving South Asian communities. How can we not only aid reconciliation between the South Asian diaspora, but also make sure that service providers are inclusive? You know, I think this is a really important point to touch on. And then I agree with you that um, this is a common issue that we see. You know, um, there are so many different um, uh, cultures and backgrounds that come within this umbrella of South Asian culture, right? So I think there are like a, a dozen countries um, under this umbrella of South Asia and, and India is, is one of them. Um, and so it's so important to acknowledge the diversity um, in South Asia, that each country has its own unique culture, languages, traditions, um, sometimes faith, and to, to kind of lump them all together, to put them all together is, um, can be a disservice to each of them, you know, and so it's really important to highlight um, those, that diversity, um, and, you know, one of the ways to do that, I think one of the really key ways to do that is to take a look at the leadership you know, in, in different South Asian organizations, right? Being mindful of representation in our leadership. So um, do those on boards um, of, of South Asian nonprofit organizations, do they reflect the diversity of the South Asian diaspora? Do um, those with decision-making power on staff, the administrative staff, do they reflect the diversity of the South Asian diaspora? Right. Um, I think those are really pertinent questions to pay attention to pay attention to. Um, and looking beyond just like, you know, who, who is doing the direct service work, right? Not only looking at line staff and interns and volunteers, but who are those in positions of power? Yeah. Right? And uh, lastly, if someone listening to this podcast is a survivor, what would you want them to know? I would want them to know that support is available, um, that you do not have to do this by yourself. You do not have to find safety by yourself or find understanding by yourself, that there is help available. Um, and you can reach us by calling our helpline at 718-550-3586. Um, uh, there are many organizations similar to Turning Point who are here to provide support, to guide you, um, and to answer questions. And you know, our role is to is to let you lead, let you tell us how you want to move forward, and we will guide you in doing that. So please, um, don't do this by yourself. Please do reach out. 
Thank you so much for your time and insight, Thesnia. We at Indu really appreciate you sharing your perspective and reminding us that our work is definitely not over. And I definitely learned a lot from your responses to these questions. Thank you so much for having me, absolutely, and for doing this great podcast. Thank you. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining Indu on today's episode of Chai Your Auntie Should Be Spilling.